millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome back to the Grief Gang podcast with me, your host, Amber Jeffrey. The message behind the Grief Gang is to normalise the topic of conversation that is grief. People living with grief can often feel ashamed, isolated and alone. This podcast was created to break those taboos after I myself experienced all of those feelings after the loss of my mum in 2016. I decided enough was enough and we need to talk about this. You'll hear on this podcast an array of stories and experiences, some being my own and some being fantastic guest episodes and their incredible stories. You'll laugh, you'll cry, but I hope above all, I hope you'll learn. I hope you'll learn that you are not alone in your grief journey, that you have a voice and it should be heard, that you and your grief matter. So without further ado, I'll let you enjoy the episode. Happy listening. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Grief Gang podcast with me, your host, Amber Jeffrey. It is a glorious Friday afternoon, and it's going to be about an even more glorious episode. Um, I want to give you a little bit of background into this guest and how they came on my radar and how <laughs> obsessed I became after they came on my radar. And so this guest... It was one, I think, one furloughed afternoon. I was on the sofa being an absolute sloth. And I was watching one of my favourite daytime um, television programmes and have it put on in the background while I'm doing my work. And this guest was on the show with her panellists and, and her fellow colleagues. And he started speaking about mental health. And my ears pricked up. And this guest in particular started speaking about her grief and for her mum in particular and how within this last year, and through her going through therapy, it made her realise things about her grief and how she felt she could actually finally grieve for her mum. And you guys knowing me, I was gripped then, I threw the washing out, I was sat down and I was engaged. So without further ado, I would like to introduce Charlene White, ITV presenter and Loose Woman presenter to Charlene. And there's so much more, so much more in that. <laughs> As we know, I'm just trying to, I want to just get into this with you. Charlene, thank you so much for being here with me today. How are you? Uh, I'm good. I'm all right. Life is always very, very hectic. Yeah. Um, and it's nice to take a moment to just sort of 
sit, relax and chat with you really, Amber. Yeah, absolutely. And that's exactly what I wanted to do for you today because, as I said earlier, Monks, I know you're tremendously busy and from that clip on Loose Women that day, that was, so it was Loose Women that I was watching the show on, I saw how much it moved you to talk about that, to talk about your mum. And obviously I don't know too much, but I thought it looks like to me as if it was quite, it'd been quite a while maybe since you'd spoke about mum and maybe those feelings of how your grief has shown up within this last year. So I thought, I'm going to reach out. I'm going to reach out and give you the opportunity. And I'm so, so glad that you're here with me today. Um, so, Shirley. It's interesting because I think in terms of talking about mum, that's something that I've been very open and honest about. Mm, mm. I think since she since she died, really, but probably more so um, since I understood my own grief a lot more. And I think over the past year, with so many people having to experience grief in ways which they're not very used to. Mm. Um, it did get me thinking again about the ways in which I grieved. Mm. And also I've lost family members as a result of the pandemic and friends have lost mothers and fathers and seeing them struggle with their grief because the way in which, you know, as as, as Caribbean families, we grieve en masse, mm. um, mm-hmm. as, as, you'll, as you'll know. Yeah. And for so many of my friends to not have that just made me realise how blessed I was, weirdly, to be able to grieve in a very normal way and to be surrounded by family and friends as we were all those years ago. Um, And to have that taken away from you is a really strange experience. Mm, Yeah. And I think for a lot of people too, Charlene, this last year, and it made me exactly the same. So, you know, my mum passed in 2016, so a completely different world to what we know now. And so I've had friends and family members who have lost. And as you say, you say blessed um, and grateful. Um, It's strange thinking that, you know, you've got to be at their bedside and with them, that you see that as blessed, something so horrific and so traumatic. But to know there are people out there who haven't got that, it's been a really reflective year. And I almost feel a little bit sometimes fraudulent. I don't know if you do too, or sort of, maybe not fraudulent, it's maybe lack of a better word, but especially with the work that I do and people come to me and maybe ask advice and want to talk, I feel like when, and maybe you might feel the same when friends or family come and speak to you about their grief and their loss, that although you're grieving and you both know what grief is like, you've both lived two different experiences so you can be like you in a way you had the whole package you got to do all the things that in a normal society when life was quote-unquote normal you do in a bereavement and I always find that the the people who have had people die in this last year they're like a new realm of um, of grievers and bereavers um because they have had to make the most out of nothing and I absolutely take my hat off to them oh god completely and Sometimes people find it really strange when I say that one of my most favourite moments in life ever was standing in the church when I gave my mum's eulogy and looking out Mm. into the church, which was just packed. And they Mm. were, it was so packed that people were standing outside the church and lining the pavements Mm. and all sorts and being able to, as a a 21 years old, stand in front of a church and and talk about my mum and look at how Mm. many lives she had touched and yeah. and how loved she was um was a really beautiful thing um and yeah. and luckily because um we knew 
that she was dying. When she came home, she chose to to come home rather than going to hospice. And our house was just Mm. packed full of people every single day, every single night, from first thing in the morning till the early hours (laughs) of the morning. Um, It was a beautiful time for me because I think to have that time to see how loved a parent is, is just amazing. So, um, Charlene, would you mind going to the listeners just um, a little bit more of who you are? And obviously we said it's mum who we're here to remember today, but mum's name. Um, and just go into a little bit about your story of how it is that we lost your mum. Yeah, well, um, mum got sick with bowel cancer when I was 16. Um, and I remember her sitting and having the cough. We're not even sitting, we were in the kitchen and we were cooking, actually. And she brought it up in conversation that that the doctors had found something and she was going to start doing treatment. And from there on, really, it it was just normal. Um, and mm. people, you know, when you sort of say, you know, mum got sick at 16 and she was in an app hospital and she was having chemo and off and what have you, but and they go, oh gosh, God, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. That must have been so awful. But actually that was my normal. So um, I never, we never went with her as kids for her to have treatment um but when she was in hospital I'd be doing we'd be doing homework on the hospital bed um at that point yeah. technology was different so you didn't have TVs really at your hospital bed so mm-hmm. you know we're bringing our gray massive portable TV um but <laughs> by her bedside while she watches Coronation Street yeah. Extenders and we'd be there doing <laughs> homework and stuff that was our normal I do not know what a late teens life is like when you don't have that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't really know what I missed out on because I don't know what, I, you know, I could see that through my friends and my friends who had quite unquote normal teenage lives, but they, you know, it became so normalized. And my mum and dad were great in terms of just making it a very normal thing, really, um, that mm-hmm. it never felt to me to be this really traumatic experience at all because it was just mm-hmm. it was just life it was our life yeah just routine. that, that yeah. those four or five years that was just life for us so um she you know would have moments where the the treatment would work and she'd be in remission and you know we'd have a sort of normal life she worked the entire time so she wow. you know I remember when she was having a certain set of treatment and a week out of every month She'd have the treatment in the morning and then she'd go into work. Um, I would be dropping mm. my brother to school in the morning so I didn't have to do morning assembly at school. I was obviously oh, devastated at me missing yes. morning assembly at school, <laughs> like beside myself oh with like, yeah. oh my God, this is so upsetting. <gasps> I obviously wasn't. Um, yeah. <laughs> and so I dropped my um, my brother off at school because my dad was, um, one of his jobs was a postman, so he'd be up and out of the house really early. So I would, you know, get them together and take my brother to school. There would be a half hour where um, if I went in, I'd probably catch just the end of assembly. Or if I left at half an hour, I'd be able to just make make my first um, session, my, you know, my first class. So I'd go to my friend Leon's house, who lived around the corner, and I had a breakfast at Leon's house. Um, and then I would go into, into school and do, um, first period. And so that was just kind of normal doing parents evenings and stuff with my dad and my mum for my little brother was just normal, really. 
I look back at the life lessons my mum taught me um, and as much as they would grind my gears and having to do things, I'd be like, are you joking me? Like, I don't want to do dinner tonight. I don't want to do this, this and that. But I look back and I think, thank you. Thank you for teaching me these things because subconsciously you taught me a, to live a life without you. Although my mum's death was very sudden and we knew nothing. It was on the cards. It was... I look back and I I had the fundamental basics to be able to live life without her and I and for you in the, in your in your parenting you see that as well. Um and I think it's really interesting to what you say about how it was just your normal and you can't miss something that you never had really. Like you say you got you see you saw it through your friends but so your your normal was after school going to going to the hospital sitting on the bed and doing your homework and catching up with mum then. Exactly. And, and, you know, and when she had gone, the normal was juggling, you know, my dad juggling two jobs and three kids and me juggling, juggling a full-time job and my brother and sister and aligning diaries with my dad to you know, be able to work out who was there for the after-school bit, who was there to sort mm. of help with cooking food and who was there to help clean the house and stuff. So, you know, and again, that was normal. But, yeah. you know, my dad was an absolute superstar because, um, yes, there are bits and pieces that I missed out on in those in my sort of early mid-20s. But, you know, a- again, it, would I say, no, I wouldn't say, obviously it's traumatic losing your mum, of mm. course it is. But all of those bits where perhaps I felt jealous that other friends didn't have, you know, could do the early 20s thing. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I chose to say, you know, my mum was very, because of the, the the grown-up my mum prepared me to be, things like not going to university outside of London because I knew that my family needed me, all -hmm. those decisions were pretty easy decisions to make. You know, I could have gone to uni outside of London, but what was more important was being here and being in London for my family, not taking my first job outside of London and, and choosing a job where I could still live at home and commute and drive out into Kent. It was only half an hour to Maidstone. So choosing a job where I could still be at home, all those decisions were pretty easy decisions to make. Yeah. Um, I didn't feel no like, yeah, you know, and I would just live that campus university life through my friends and go and stay with my friends mm. for the weekend. Um, and because I never had that sort of living in a house full of other people experience, you know, I'd be quite pleased to leave their houses at the end of the yeah. weekend because I'd just be a bit like, oh my God, this is so grimy. Oh yeah, my God, yeah, how can yeah. you just live with people who are just like dirty Disgusting. and not clean up? I never felt that I was missing out on this massive chunk of life because my mum was sick and my mum was gone. I never really felt that it was my duty. So, you know, whereas my brother and my sister could go to uni and live out, because they were the youngest children. So they also had their trials and tribulations where grief was concerned. But one thing that we tried to make sure that they didn't have to do was ever feel like they had to take on the the responsibilities of the oldest child, i.e. me, had to. Wanted them to have as much normal um, that that we could muster for them, really. Hearing you say that really reminds me of my brother and those exact words of give them as much normal as possible um I'm I'm the youngest out of me and my brother and um he he really did fight a lot to 
I, at the time, I thought he was hiding things. And I don't know if your siblings might have maybe felt that. I felt my brother was hiding things from me um, and quite important things. But I look back now and I was like, he was just protecting and didn't want to burden me at my 19-year-old self already going through, what is this life without mum? And going, you know, we've got funeral plans to do. My mum's cousin, Auntie Anna, who lives in Jamaica, that was clearly a conversation that my mum and dad had had with Auntie Anna quite early on, where they had agreed that when they realised it was the end, that Auntie Anna would fly over and basically live with us until my dad felt that he didn't need the help anymore. Mm -hmm. So Auntie Anna came to say, I think from the moment, because there were a few weeks, because she was at home, I'd... I would say three weeks, four weeks, maybe it could have been longer. Mm, mm. Um, and Auntie was there the whole time because she'd flown over because that's what they had arranged. Um, unbeknownst, it was obviously a conversation they'd had years previously. Yeah. Um, and then when that kicked in, she sort of arrived and she was there to, to help out. And between my, my dad and his sisters and my mum's brothers and sisters and stuff, all those logistical things they swooped in and they did all of that stuff mm-hmm. and all was sort of left for, for me to do, I guess, was just to make sure that my brother and my sister were all right. Yeah. So I remember the night, you know, I've got, you know, I live in the same area that I grew up in. So the night that she died was yet another night where there were loads of people in the house. And, and I mentioned my friend Leon again, because Leon literally, you know, when you watch Moesha mm-hmm. and you've got Hakeem that lives round the corner yeah Leon was always my <laughs> yeah <laughs> so Leon was always in the house so he was the night that she died he was at my house till like really late and we were watching telly and stuff then he left and, and went round the corner and then the Macmillan nurse about as I was heading up to bed um came out of my mum's room and said you know it's time mm. so I woke up my dad my dad woke up my brother and sister I texted Leon or called Leon and I said she's she's going late mm. um and then just put down the phone and then the, I just remember the doctor arriving and all sorts and it was all just sort of a bit hazy and then my friends started arriving because mm. Leon had obviously called Cold, them. yeah so my friends started arriving and I just remember them all being in my living room as all the grown-ups are you know doing stuff in the house and clearly the ambulance must have turned up to take her away and all that stuff but I just remember being in this cocoon with my friends in my living room with Joshua and Karina with my brother and sister and that just you know and they were there in a shot because they're all I as I said I I lived in the same area that I grew up in so they were just there and I remember it getting really really late and Joshua being really tired and I was like I'm going to take Joshua up to bed and I clearly fallen asleep in my bed with Joshua Mm. and then woke up the next morning with him came downstairs and my friends were still there and I was like, this is, I've got the most amazing tribe. Yeah. And they are still the people that I love most in the world. Yeah. I'm so glad and they're in your life. <laughs> I'm so glad to hear um, that. You know, Leon may live miles away in Coventry, but <laughs> he will always be my brother. Daryl, who I also grew up with, who now lives not far from me with his family, will always be my brother. Um, Sharon and... Colin and all those guys and Geraldine, all those guys, you know, woke up in the morning and they had found sheets yeah. and blankets <laughs> they, and pillows, towels, pillows somewhere <laughs> in my house. And they'd all basically camped out in my living room. Yeah. Um, and I would not have gone through that period without them. Without them, yeah. You know? 
at that age as well, when it's it's hard when and I can't say that they've had any bereavements in their lives, but when you're so young and when, cause you do assume that death, you know, you won't experience death and, and grief around that time. And for them to all just still continuously show up, because that's one thing in people that I speak to that the friendships always dwindle and that's an, it's another loss in itself. So like I said, I'm so glad that you had that and you still have that. You have those people. It's community knowing in your darkest hour that these people are just, they've got, they're surrounding you and they're holding you. And whenever, whenever you want to get away, you escape. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. It's your home team. I always like to finish your home team. They're the people you can call at 3 a.m. and go, oh my God, my mum died. What the hell? And then I'd be like, I'm coming over. Let's go. Let's go for a walk. And there's something amazing in that. So it's brilliant. And I just... You know, and for months and months afterwards, they all just, like, do you know what? I've never asked them if they kind of talked it amongst themselves in terms of making it like, like we're, we're all going to make sure we're there every day. Yeah. I just, you know, I can't really remember that. I remember Daryl sort of saying to me, and he said, you know, I've spoken to my boss and if anything, and he knows that if anything happens with your mum, I won't be in for a few days. So I just want you to know that I've spoken to him and I will be there. And I was like, all oh, right, okay. Um, I remember going to watch Star Wars, I think it was, where all of us went to go watch Star Wars and there was a scene in there about someone losing their mum and it wasn't that long since I'd lost mine. And I just sort of froze, like, stood oh. up and went to the toilet. I was like, I'm just going to the toilet. And I got up, went to the toilet and then came out and my friend Daniel was standing outside of the toilet and it was like, it's all right, I'm here. And we just stood, had a bit of a cry. And he hugged me. He says, when you're ready to get back into the film, we'll go back into the film. And then, and I was like, I'm all right now. I was like, cool, we'll go back. And he didn't want to talk. He was like, I'm here. And I just remember him giving me a massive hug. And and these are people who have no experience at that point of losing a parent, as you say. So it is sort of, it wasn't from a position of knowledge. All they knew is that they just wanted to be there for me. Um, and they were. And, and I can't imagine never having them in my life um, because they were there for me at the, the darkest point in my life. Um, and I love them for that. Yeah, yeah. So glad you have that. That's so lovely to hear. I, love, I just love when friends come together and they unite. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's, some, just, yeah. it's wonderful. Sometimes there's, there's horror stories with grief and friendships and it's always nice to hear a happy ending, <laughs> to be honest. Well, yeah, because I just think that, I think I'm always one, 
that's very, I have no issue talking about grief. That's the reason why I'm here talking to you. Yeah. But I have no issue talking about grief and loss um, and death. And, and I think it's healthy to talk about it. And I think that it's, it seems like the easier option to not, but years and years down the line, it doesn't matter who you are, mm-hmm. you know, where you live, culturally, where you're from, it does not matter. Mm. If you don't talk about it, years down the line, it will hit you like a freight train. Oh, yeah. Um, and and it can, it can send you down a really awful path. Yeah. The healthier way to deal with death is to talk about it. So mm. anytime a friend loses a parent or a, a family member loses a parent or, or anyone loses anybody, I will always, it doesn't matter if I've not spoken to you in like a million years, mm. You know, I have the same number that I've had since I was 16 years old. So oh, I wow. <laughs> so they'll always sort of get a message from me to just sort of say, I'm so sorry. If you want to talk, I'm here. And then months later, you know, I'll dip in. Say, look, I know you're surrounded by people. Um, uh, but if you need to go, especially at the moment, um, if you need to go for a walk and just have a bit of a chat, I'm here. Just call and I'm here. Um, because I don't, want people to feel like they can't that there isn't anybody that they can be honest about their grief with grief is ugly grief can be ugly and can be really horrible but when you kind of learn to look at it and i know complete people they disagree and agree that's all like grief is some form of love that you have for this person you can kind of begin to look at it in a different way and quote unquote accept it it's acceptance and you can you can coexist together you can coexist absolutely um Shannon I wanted to ask you so you've gone on to have a fantastic career as we know as we all know um and I love seeing you on my telly it's fantastic and when I see all of you are loose women um I just get an absolute buzz and I love it and so amongst all these milestones out of them all what one of them is the one where you've most yearned to share with your mum and gone oh wow, I wish I could have told her. I think probably meeting meeting Andy, to be honest. Yeah. Because at least if she'd gone after I'd met my life partner, she would have gone knowing that I'd met my life partner and we were, would then probably go on to have kids. Yeah. So, um, I mean, of course, it would have been lovely to have her here when I, when I, when I gave birth to my children. And I did really miss her at that point. Hugely, but my, you know, that's what my sister's there for. My sister mm-hmm. was, um, was my other birthing partner, but my kids don't know time and didn't arrive when they were supposed to, so she <laughs> missed both, both births. Um, but I would be, I would be, it, 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 it would have been nicer for me if she'd at least met Andy. Yeah. Because then she'd have known that I was going to be all right. Mm. And everything else that came would, she'd know that, it would be okay. Um, and I know that people sort of say, actually, I wish she was there when I had my children. I think I just, I just wish she knew that. And I know she's looking down anyway, so it's fine. But I wish that she'd known that I was, I was okay. Yeah. That you'd met somebody and that, that part future of your life, it is coming and it's going to be there. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think as a, as a parent, that's all you want for your children is to kind of a bit of reassurance that they're going to be all right. Yeah. And, she would know that I would always keep an eye out for my brother and my sister um, and that, you know, that they would be okay. But I think I would imagine that in her head, because of all 
the responsibility that I've been given later on in life. And I, I firmly believe that, that she would just want to know that I would get some happiness back. Mm. You see what I mean? Yeah. Not that having the responsibility made me unhappy, mm. but the, that somebody somebody in my life as a life partner mm. would have my back in the same way that I've had, had my a, brother and my sister and my dad's yeah, back. That you've had everybody else's back for so long that it's now time for Charlene to get taken care of. And that's not to say that you can't take care of yourself and that we, we as women need men to take care of us, but... Oh no, I don't need anyone. Yeah, exactly, but. exactly. It's like, it's like, don't, it's like, don't get it twisted. Like we do not need, we do not need that. But it's like in the same sense, of course, as a parent, you would want to know whatever that person may look like uh, romantically, whether there is somebody in their life that, because your mum's knowing I'm going to go and I know that Charlene is going to take on this. I need yeah. to, I want to know that if, you know, in a few years time, someone's going to take care of her. And what does that look like? Yeah. Um, yeah. How did you- so I think I was obsessed about that for a really long time. Really, yeah. I think I was just obsessed with, I need to be with someone that my mum has met before. Oh, okay. I need to be with someone that met my mum and knew my mum and knew how wonderful she was. I was obsessed with that for so long. And then realized okay I've now reached my mid-30s yeah. you know mm. can't keep dredging up boys from my teenage <laughs> yeah. um, you still I, got the same I number need, though so you could if you yeah. wanted I mean you know it was easy for me to call them yeah 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 but the reality of it is I could not keep living life like that yeah. I had to understand that um the reality is she, you know, by that point she'd been gone almost 15 years mm. it's like I need to understand that I am not going to be lucky enough to be with somebody who has met my mum and I have to let go of that dream um, and move on from that dream. Um, And so, yeah, I did eventually. And that wasn't a grief thing. That was like in a, you know, me wanting to perfectly like package things. And with the the bow on top of the present Mm -hmm. would be that I end up being with somebody who knew my my mum. And then it's like, perfect going full circle you you kind of you've threw that dream and that hope way and you've met Andy how do you how do you speak with Andy and how do you tell Andy about your mum she's yeah I guess I just talk just very openly and very normal like she's a presence she's always there I don't I've never been one to not talk about her at all um and there are pictures up of her and stuff and you know Alfie knows that mummy's mummy isn't here. Um, You know, and I find myself talking like my mum when I'm telling him off. Yeah. Um, But I do things that my mum did with me. So Mm. Alfie has always been in the kitchen with me when I'm cooking and he wants to cook with me. And he wants to do things because that's that's one thing that my mum gave me and a passion that my mum gave me. Mm. But I want to make sure I give to to Joshua uh, to Alfie mm. so I always call you get, yeah, my brother yeah. and my, my son the wrong name I love that um constantly Joshua's kind of like your first baby though really well, yeah. yeah yeah and he loves cooking because he was always in the kitchen with me yeah um and little and little Hakeem slash Leon around the corner yeah <laughs> uh, you know and my brother loves cooking and my brother is probably even more creative with cooking than I am he does things like making his own pasta from scratch and the, making the his own tamarind yeah. paste from scratch and all that stuff. I'm like, oh. You're like, I'll just come around to eat. Look at, look at the students are passing the master. <laughs> yeah. All right, Josh. Yeah. All right, show off. 
<laughs> that really touches well actually if you touch on there how um you know with your son with your son Alfie and you want to in the kitchen I wanted to ask you as well do you notice uh traits and habits in yourself of how you parent um from your mum and you start to start and you go oh my god that was my mum you think oh gosh. I won by and by far the, t- the tougher of the of two parents I'm definitely the tougher oh, yeah. and I and that that is very much a mum trait and I you know I don't take any messing from yeah. Alfie whatsoever. You know, it's the look. Yeah, yeah, the just look, the, that just very that. sort of Caribbean. It's, it's the look. Yeah, no word. Um, you know, and Alfie would be like, "Don't look at me like that." Well, then behave yourself. I love the go. Don't look at me like that. <laughs> and then I find myself if he's giving me a bit of back chat, and I'll sort of say, "Alfie, you and me are not size." Ooh. And that's a very, Ooh, <laughs> very yeah. Thing to say. You know, I am not your friend. You and me are not friends. Yeah. I'm not your friend. I am your mother. I'm your mum. Yeah. Um, and that's very, very mum yeah. for me to say. So all these things just kind of come out. Yeah, you catch yourself um, like, <laughs> Literally have turned into my mum. You know, and that happens constantly, mm. you know. Um, and being very, very strict with things like his bedroom being tidy, mm-hmm. making his bed before he leaves the house, all of those sorts of things that my mum would say to me all those things have to be done and being very strict about it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm very much a sort of very, very strict parent that do not get, you know, over emotional about things. Yeah. You know, if he's having a tantrum, well, you can just stand there and have a tantrum because I honestly have better things. To yeah. Do yeah you know, I, I have to so, go, go to work. Like I have to do things. You yeah, do that. So honey. you can kind of stand there and scream and shout and you just let me know when you're finished. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, so it's a very sort of mum way to, very 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 a lot of the parenting traits from mum and dad I do yeah. find myself doing um because I just don't get over emotional about things when my kids are concerned yeah because it's a little bit like you'll get over it eventually so let's just move on mm-hmm. are you bleeding no yeah well, are you bleeding are you, are you going to this hospital no we're good we're good um do you think so obviously that you feel like that's like mum coming through that just made me think of a snippet that I saw the other day of um Candy's Brathwaite I'm sure you've affiliated, I'm um, not your baby mother author. She did a, it's just come to my head now. She made me think about, she's having conversations with her children and she has had her, her dad passed some years ago. And she was with Julie Adenuga and Julie, I think I'd asked her, what's like a life lesson you want to teach your children? And she paused and she stopped and she went, I need to, I'm teaching them the conversations I'm having with them is that me and you will not be in this forever together. And I was like, whoa. And to be having those frank conversations. And I wonder then sort of like the way, you know, you're, you're parenting your kids and just how the the truths of life of kind of like, you're, you're very strict of like keeping their rooms tidy. Do you think that's you subconsciously teaching, as we both know, our parents taught us a life without them? Do you feel like losing a parent and how your parent is? You're like, I know that me and you might not be in this life together at the same time forever. Yeah, I guess there's an element of that. I would never, like, I, I don't think I'm, I'll, I will tell them that I'm preparing for mm. them to be without me unless I have mm. to. Um, but I am definitely giving them life lessons and teaching them to do things so they can continue doing those things even if I'm not here. Mm. So, um, you know, things like being creative with food, for example, getting them to understand food, um, 
getting them being able to have a love for food. So if I'm not here and, um, you know, that dad's not awake. <laughs> um, you know, I guess, I guess, yeah, I probably am, you know, so having them load the washing machine with me and have them, um, you know, get together their dirty clothes and all of that stuff and, you know, doing from early, if there's a, if the washing machine has got a few bits and pieces in it, Alfie, can you hang the washing out, please? All of those things. Because, you know, by, 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 by nature, by notion of me, of both of us being working parents, um, you know, there are things that they are going to have to start doing early on when they're able to do it. So, making sure that Alfie understands what a clean bedroom is because one thing I do not have time to do be doing that. as he gets older is to spend my time tidying his room. That is not what I'm mm-hmm. here for. It is your room. It is your responsibility. Um, and that's what my dad did with yeah. us because, you know, I don't think they did it from a case of, you know, preparing us for life when they're not here because neither of them, neither of them expected to have one of them not be here so early on. Um, but there is an, an element of teaching responsibility. So um, you're able to to not always rely on them for stuff mm-hmm. and things not suddenly be be a shock. And and I work and I, I love working and I love parenting. And the way in which those things can live side by side. Is by my children taking. Yeah, we got, we got, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I love that. Get them to work. <laughs> Amazing. Right, well, Charlene, I've got one last question for you. And it's a question that I ask all my guests when they come on the Grief Gang. And it's a moment where I want you to sort of go back and reflect and look back to those early days of grief. So, uh, Charlene, um, if you could go back and tell your younger, pre bereaved self some helpful advice for your grief journey, what would it be? I always like to almost say to you to picture like a moment we've just spoken about of how when maybe even when you woke up and you saw your friends in that living room that day and you thought, okay, this is like day one of the rest of my life without mum. And if you could just like double yourself and look at her and go, Charlene, babe, here's some hot tips. Here's some hot tips for you for the next couple of years. This is your future self coming to you and saying this. I would probably say to my future self she's going to give you the skills you'll be all right amazing amazing self-sufficient we love it we love it well yeah because she gave me the you know the skills including things like the important understanding the importance of friendship understanding the importance of family Mm. understanding the importance of self-sufficiency um but also understanding that as despite the fact my teenage years, my late teens, my early twenties were not like my friends. She gave me the skills to be able to deal with it. So, you know, I have a lot to be thankful for. And that's because my parents gave me the skills to be able to deal with it. Well, Charlene, thank you so much for coming on the Grief Gang today. It's been an absolute pleasure to sit down and talk to you and talk all things mum. Grief Gang, thank you for tuning in. Um, please do do all the fun stuff, like and subscribe and all that stuff. I feel like, I feel like a ball when I have to say all that stuff, but you know the score. Um, and thank you for listening. Thank you for being here. Take care. Bye. Well, that's it for this week's episode. I hope you all enjoyed it and it set your week off to a great start. Whether you've laughed a little, cried a little, I mean, I think crying is good for the style, or you've resonated with something that was said, thank you for listening and spending time out of your day to do so. 
If you like what you hear, please do rate, review and subscribe. In doing so, you're ensuring that lots more people get to find the Grief Gang podcast and hopefully help them too. If you're not already, check out the Grief Gang on social media platforms such as Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. I'm most active on the Instagram page where I love, love, love to connect with you all. For now, take care and big, big love. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hey folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF podcast and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.